Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Hey, this is J.J. Burden, former NFL wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs, and you're listening to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. Welcome to the official Football Learning Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ken Crippen, and I'm the founder and lead instructor at the Football Learning Academy, an online school teaching pro football history. To learn more about the Football Learning Academy, go to our website at www.football-learning-academy.com. Not only will you find links to our social media channels and a listing of all podcast episodes, but you'll also find other fascinating interviews and classes. And an important note, a portion of all proceeds generated at the Football Learning Academy go to help retired players in need. That website again is www.football-learning-academy.com. And now on to our episode. Our special guest this week is Mark Clayton, who played with the Baltimore Ravens from 2005 through 2009, and then the St. Louis Rams from 2010 through 2011. Currently, he owns Live Headphones, a company that makes high-quality headphones for athletes. For the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week, we talk about the long list of quarterbacks that Mark played with during his career. Now let's get to our interview with Mark Clayton. I'd like to welcome Mark Clayton to the official Football Learning Academy podcast. How are you doing today, Mark? Man, doing well. Doing well. You? I'm doing great. Thanks. Good, man. Your Baltimore Ravens are doing pretty well this year. What are you seeing with the team, and how far do you think they're going to go this year? Man, I'm uh, seeing good things. Um, you know, it's been every each year is different, and you know, you're really just trying to figure out uh, with that group, you know, how to continue to get better week by week, and just you know, squeak out another win. And they've obviously done really well um, in knowing who they were, who they are, and their identity. And um, man, I think we we got a chance to go pretty far. Uh, definitely some real uh, Super Bowl potential over there. And so I'm just looking forward to, one, the game next week versus the Niners. That's going to be incredible. Um, and then after that, you know, finishing up the season strong and healthy um, and then getting into the playoffs. And who knows? You know, who knows what will happen? How do you think the game's going to go against the 49ers? Um, I think it's going to be a, a really good game. I think we're going to find a way to uh, muck it up is what I like to say. Ravens are really good at just making games ugly and then, um, you know, being in and in the end and finding a way to to win games and or lose them, but uh, win more than lose, win more than lost. And so I, I think it'll be a really close game. And um, I mean, I'm obviously taking taking us, but uh, I, I do think it'll be a really, really fun game to watch, technical game to watch, just the coaching the skill on both sides, defense, offense, like everything about it, it's going to be fun. Do you think anyone in the AFC is going to be able to challenge them? Um, yeah, you know, in in the playoffs, is there's so many things that go into winning, and um, do we have the ability to smother teams if they let us? 
Yes, absolutely. But I think teams are, you know, they're on edge and they understand that it's when they go home and they're giving it, you know, everything. And so, so is the coaching staff and just the time they put into, you know, detailing a scheme to, to win that week. Um, you know, I think the playoff games in the AFC are going to be tough. Um, you got bills who are, are about to be, or they're on a tear um, and potentially going to be on a tear going into the playoffs. Um, Miami, um, you know, and then Mahomes, you can never, ever, 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 ever sleep on that guy <laughs> ever. Um, and so it's, it's exciting times in the AFC. Um, lots of, you know, good teams. And I'm, I'm looking forward to those matchups. Now let's get to talking about you. You didn't start off wanting to play pro football. Your love was basketball, correct? That's right. It was. I um it's weird. I I I start I played football first. Um and then basketball was something that we just did and um just caught the 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 basketball love bug around middle school and so started doing all the training and anything and everything that I did was all basketball. Um played on a couple of, you know, select squads and got to travel and do all that and just knew that basketball was going to be my, you know, ticket, you know, out and into the the big leagues did you um play basketball in college i did not i um what i would do was practice well not so much practice but just do uh play pickup games with the guys there um and so we had a pretty good basketball team when i was there uh i want to say oh two our guys went to the final four um and so we would uh every now and then get to go over and just play pickup games with those guys um, which was awesome. And then at the rec center, we ran a lot of ball. That was a lot of our cardio and conditioning and just getting that com them competitive juices flowing outside of the, outside of football. Now let's talk about your current venture in the audio space. What's the name of your company and what do you do? Uh, live audio. And I went to, I started this journey because I was wearing headphones after having a, essentially a career ending injury. Um, and so it, doing a lot of work in the pool, I wore beats and enjoyed them and just wanted uh, a headphone that was, that fit a little more secure that allowed me to do a little bit more work and, uh, you know, generate a lot more movement without worrying about my headphones falling off. Um, and so that, prompted me to start to sketch and craft a design that was different. Um, and she's, that was, that sketch was probably 2015 or so. And so it's been, it's been a while. I, I picked it up and sat down and went and done other things in between. And um, I got an idea for a new concept about a year and a half ago. And so that's what's prompted me to pick it up again and, um, you know, partner with some really cool partners and then go at it uh, a lot different than just a pet project. Mm -hmm. How'd you come up with the name? Live. I, when I was uh, first getting uh, a handful of people to test it, I had a, a free runner um, guy, Tony out in Miami. And, um, you know, we went out and just, he put a pair, put a headset on and just started doing his thing. And, you know, was pretty shocked at the fact that he could do all these new flips, like real flips and all of his aerials and all this stuff with, with an over ear headphone on. Um, and after that, he was just like, man, it's crazy. Like, because it, 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 it closes off the sound. Like it sounds really good. And it's like, I'm just in my world living 
and I can just, you know, move and do, you know, do what I want. And I'm in my own zone. And um, when he said live, living, I was like, man, that's that's really cool. And for whatever reason, that stuck. And I was like, man, I I think live would be like a good name for a headphone company. So is he getting royalties for that or? <laughs> he is not, <laughs> but he's a good guy. <laughs> so why'd you want to get into this highly competitive industry? It wasn't about, I wouldn't even think about the industry. I was just thinking about a headphone that worked for me to be, to actually just work out and train in. Um, and then, you know, a handful of people was like, man, I, I think that's all. I'd love to have one of those headphones. And then I was like, well, cool. I think I could, I could probably make a few more. Um, and then, you know, after kind of seeing the space and just being real close to it, cause headphones and training and football, basketball are very, you know, close, very tied together. And, um, just seeing what was out there, knowing that mine's was, I mean, certainly unique and different from any other one that's on the market. Um, I was granted two patents on my design and, uh, uh, design patent and an industrial patent. And so with that, I felt like I had an, enough to really carve out my own space. Now, those patents, are they mainly on the band on Correct. the headphones? Exactly. Yeah. That's the, that's the unique piece. That's <laughs> your secret sauce, right? <laughs> the design. Absolutely. It's the thing that sets it uh, clearly apart from any other headphone on the market. Talk to me a little bit about that band. How does that, uh, how does that work? Well, so the, the ergonomics of it, the idea was, you know, instead of the band being linear um, and us having like this, you know, really kind of small surface area to, excuse me, there we go, uh, having a small surface area um, where we would be adding more tension, we figured with the, the band uh, winding, we could create a larger surface area and it, it would almost feel like your palm is pressing up against your head versus uh, something pretty narrow, which would be a little bit more uncomfortable. How much R&D did you go through to come up with that design? <laughs> um, uh, let me see. The Shoot, it took us about a couple of years, a couple of years of just, tinkering uh my partner uh partner Dale Lott he um was an engineer uh he's a vet he um has worked on many projects headphone projects and it was one that he hadn't seen before so he was definitely interested in taking it on and we spent a lot of time essentially in his garage um just tinkering and you know trying different angles and what if it came out from this part versus that part and uh let's try this material versus that material and uh, yeah, it, I mean, it was it was uh, right around about a couple of years till we got one that it was just like it's just right and it worked. Now that collaboration you're talking about was that with Orisonics or were they doing something else to help you out? Uh, it was so Dell had Orisonics, but uh, Dell this was one of his, you know, he was just helping me out uh, outside of Orisonics, and um, it was I mean obviously it was a huge help. Uh, taking you know what I had and then bringing it to life and uh and so we've well I mean we're still partners to this day so what are some of the business lessons that you learned along the way with this company um I've certainly learned patience you know and things don't happen overnight um you know from the first kind of concept we did and the first prototype we did I was like oh yeah we're we're, I mean, shoot, with this thing, we'll we'll sell a million in a year. 
<laughs> sure enough we did not sell a million in April. um here we are shoot uh six years later and that first one is what i thought would do well in the market uh essentially was a, a mvp model or a proof of concept um now this one is coming off the back of a lot of the research a lot of the engagement with everyone who who used the first headphone um, all of their thoughts and wishes and uh, what they didn't like, what they hated um, is what created this new design. And so uh, learning that, you know, things are iterative uh, and it don't happen overnight. It's patience and you got to, you know, just stick to it and, um, you know, be open to other opinions and thoughts. And at the same time, you know, stay, stay steady with the, the, the foundation and, the heart of what you're doing, but also, you know, bring in other, other minds because it helps uh, with, with um, designing. So what other advice would you give to athlete entrepreneurs who want to start their own businesses outside of what you just mentioned? Uh, I'd say um, look for really strong partnerships, uh, connect with people who are in the industry and in the space that you're trying to get into. Um, especially as an athlete, you have, um, you know, almost a direct line and of communication to a lot of people. A lot of people are interested in, in working with athletes because athletes often are grinders. They have great work ethic. They're persistent. I mean, I, like, I've been doing this for a long time and I'm, we're yet to go to market, but it's just been a grind and just, you know, sticking to it. Um, and athletes have a lot of those intangibles that, you know, people that are very successful in business have. Um, ours are just focused you know, in sports, but, you know, people identify that, uh, in like, like-minded people. And so, uh, connecting with somebody that's in the industry that you're in and, you know, doing what you've done do, that you're wanting to do successfully, um, being a, a, I think a first step, um, even if that's, that doesn't become your partner, um, just getting a lot of knowledge and information in terms of the market and some how-to and some things to look out for. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an important point that you really need to understand your market if you want to be able to penetrate that market. So mm -hmm. I, mean, I think, you know, definitely doing that type of analysis is important. Oh, yeah. Nobody knows the market better than somebody who's been beat up by it. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I, I'm so grateful for, you know, having the guys around me now that I was able to meet this on on the journey. Uh, getting getting to where we are today. Now you were born in Oklahoma City. Did that make it a logical choice to go to the University of Oklahoma, or were other schools pursuing you? Yeah, I had a handful of schools pursuing. I was like a late bloomer. I didn't have all the stars or anything. Um, we had a kid that was really talented uh, and a top five player in the, in the state, a top fifty player, I believe, in the country. Um, and, you know, we obviously had scouts, you know, come, come through and, um, I was actually a quarterback, uh, my junior year in high school and didn't make the switch until a game left in my junior year to wide receiver. Um, so I didn't really get seen as a wide receiver until really the spring of my junior year at 707, um, down in Texas A&M. It was the first time I got a letter from any school and it was, Somebody, one of the coaches from AM just saying, we saw you, you know, keep keep working. Um, then after that, 
the summer comes and then I started getting these other letters and I got a first offer from um, Purdue. And um, after that, it just kept going. And then I got into the seat, got, we got to the season in, in our, our uh, game, our, uh, it was like our first, our first, very first game. I had like three touchdowns and a lot of yards and, and then I had coaches really start to come and come visit and the letters just grew and grew. Um, and then I had ended up with, you know, a few offers that I narrowed it down to and Oklahoma was one of them. Um, and then ended up coming down between Oklahoma, LSU and Missouri. And I chose Oklahoma, of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was the reason to, to pick uh, Oklahoma over those other schools? They, uh, I mean, one, that was the first time I actually watched, a college football game like that that year and uh like Mike Leach was the offensive coordinator but it was cool to just see them throwing the ball all over the field um I mean that that stuck in my head it was Oklahoma versus Notre Dame I just remember that game and I just remember throwing the ball <laughs> um, and then you know it was in Oklahoma it wasn't you know too far and I had a lot of family up there and and the visit was great Brent Venables um who's the head coach now was my recruit recruiter. Um, Steve Spurrier Jr. was the receiver coach, which was really neat. Um, he just was so fun loving and just, you know, just great to be around, but just really infectious. Um, one of the guys you just want to, you just want to do whatever, like you want to do your best for him. Um, and, and so it was a combination of all of that, that made Oklahoma really an easy choice. Uh, you were all American your junior and senior years, and set a bunch of records. Did you did you expect to be drafted in the first round? And if so, where did you think you were going to go? I didn't expect to be drafted in the first round when I, you know, my senior year, my junior year, I got a, a the letter that they give with like a a one two grade. In my senior year, I didn't have as much production as my junior year, but it was you know, it was solid, and I was. A, all-American again so I thought you know I'd be drafted fairly high um my agent told me if I ran fast and I'd probably get in the you know get in the first round and so as we got I, I ended up running fast and so from there it was like man I got a chance getting into the combine um you know sitting around he would he would call and kind of give me the lay of the land and everything that was going on and I want to say it was uh Early in the rounds, uh, he, he said, you know, hey, I think you got a shot, you know, somewhere in the 20s. And um, I was like, man, that's, that's crazy. Um, and then, you know, the Cowboys pick came up and that was their second first round pick. And they had already chose a defensive person early, uh, DeMarcus Ware, Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I thought we were thinking they would go offense after they went defense and they went defense again. He was like, all right, well, maybe you could, maybe you'll land in Jacksonville or Baltimore. And then Jacksonville went receiver, and then Baltimore went receiver with me at number 22, which was cool. Did uh, any teams, I mean, obviously the Ravens were interested in you. Did they show interest prior to the draft or any other team show interest in you? Uh, we had, you know, the visits, and I visited Detroit uh, before the draft. I visited Pittsburgh before the draft. Um, and that was, I mean, those were my only two visits. I, I can't remember who I spoke to at the combine, but there's a handful of Carolina. I talked to them quite a bit, actually, and Jacksonville. I talked to them, the coach, um, and 
actually did like a like a little special like I was catching punts or whatnot for the Jacksonville coach. Um, but uh, yeah, it was kind of th those teams that I had engagement with that I remember um, could be more. But Baltimore, there was none in, until that call. Now, I know you had several setbacks in your career due to injuries. I mean, what type of mindset did you have to be able to overcome those injuries and be able to get back on the field? Man, I was, you know, fortunate, unfortunate to have, you know, surgery early. I had a microfracture surgery, which was one of the more, um, at that time, unknown kind of uh, outcome surgeries that, you know, nobody knew. It was 2000, um, 2001. And, and so actually having that and then getting through it at an early age, I think set me up for just understanding what it meant to, you know, have a setback and then do the, do the rehab and take your time and really focus on it and, and take it serious. And you'll be back and you'll be back actually stronger um, than you were when you went down. And so, you know, any, at any point that I've had something, um, just having that early success with, you know, a, a setback helped me uh, kind of get through everything else. And so everything, was anytime I got injured, it was just, you know, whatever, I'll be back. I know, I know how to get it, work it out, and I'll be right back. Uh, you had talked a little bit about this, alluded to you playing quarterback in high school. So I want to bring you back to 2008 and your touchdown pass to Derek Mason to, to beat yeah. the Bengals 34 to three. Is that something that um, had just come up in practice that week? Did you have it in your toolbox the entire season? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it was the first. I was I was surprised that they hadn't put that in yet. Like, <laughs> like we should have a, like a reverse pass every year from my rookie <laughs> year on. And it makes so much sense. <laughs> um, but I, I guess I have like two or three attempts, which is, you know, cool. But uh, that was one that, you know, we had I've definitely worked earlier uh, in the season. And um, man, for whatever reason, they they pulled it out that week, and you know, I, of course, I was ready. And that day was just having a game, and everything was just clicking. And you know, when it's like that, they could have called any play, and it probably would have worked. Um, and so it was cool to have a touchdown pass and a, a catch in the game. And you know, I was lobbying to get a, a just a, a rush, you know, <laughs> so we can have the trifecta: run one, throw one, and catch one. And so, but it was it was a good time and always fun to to score a touchdown in a way that you're not accustomed to scoring touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the trifecta. You could just go on special teams too and and get yeah, one. There. Why not? I mean, I definitely have been already been catching punts and kick returns. If you're on a roll. Why not? Yeah, go play. Uh, yeah, you know, one day I think somebody it'll, it'll be cool to see. You know, somebody return one or two, and then catch one and run one, and then having to tempt throw throwing one. There you go. Get them out there kicking field goals, too. Why not? Yeah. It's a real athlete. There's a lot of some athletes out there. Mm -hmm. Really cool athletes out there. So you were traded to the Rams in 2010. Um, did you enjoy your time with the Rams? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Rams, um, that experience was very sweet. Uh, I'll never forget it because it was – it was short, but um, it it took me back to college, uh, really to like just being a receiver, being in the offense where you know we're, we're throwing the ball all over the field, and that was it. 
And so just to just to to do that at the end, the NFL level was really fun um, to just get a taste of a, uh, a real, I mean, a passing offense. At the time, how did you feel about being traded away from Baltimore? It was bittersweet. Baltimore was, a, was such a great organization um, from the ownership. Um, I got to see the transition from um, Art to uh, Steve. Um, you know, which is sweet, but I think, you know, when people think about Baltimore and players that have been there or played there, or, you know, even if they were just there for a few weeks, they, they feel that, that, that culture, that love that's there, um, that permeates through, which is the reason why I think Baltimore is such a great organization and always just a, a very competitive team. Um, I, you know, it was, it was bittersweet, you know, leaving that. But then getting to St. Louis was great to be somewhere where, you know, you're 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 wanted and you're wanted to to be an elite receiver. Um, and, you know, it was like, hey, we're we're throwing this ball. And if you can be ready uh, by Sunday, which I got there on a Tuesday and um, was like, absolutely, I'll be ready. <laughs> um, if you can be ready, we're going to we're going to we're going to put it up. And I was like, man, that's this is exciting. It was it was exciting. I feel like a kid again. <laughs> So what made you finally hang up the cleats? Uh, injuries, injuries. And so we were probably about my fifth game in that year after being traded. I had a ruptured patella tendon, um, which, you know, really is kind of where the the live idea came out of. Um, and then I made it back the next season, but um, I was okay. It just, it wasn't a hundred percent. And, you know, towards the end of the season, uh, for me, I was just like, man, you know, this is this ain't working. I'm I'm probably gonna hurt myself even worse if I just you know keep going and pressing. And so I'm gonna just sit it down and try again next year. And so in that off season, um, I actually had a, another surgery or two and tried to work through that, and you know it didn't happen. And so that just you know sent me on into retirement. How'd you feel about being retired? Did you miss playing football? Yeah, I still miss playing football. It was football was, you know, fun. It was just, you know, I I could do it and do it well and you know had a really good time doing it. Um, you know, I was one of the guys and you know, and that's that's the thing too, like being in Baltimore where, you know, you as a receiver, we know, you know, you want the ball, you want to be the guy, you want to have, you know, fifteen hundred yards receiving, ten touchdowns, you want to have the stats and all this stuff. Um, to not have that, but for me, it was, it was fun to, to play ball in a winning organization and, and do my job really well. Um, and so it was, you know, making tough catches and, you know, we're not throwing them out, but the ones that we do throw, got to make them happen, um, have that pressure on. And then to make big blocks, you know, we, we ran the ball. So guess what receivers were going to have to block. And so to, you know, dive in and hit guys like, you know, Rodney, Rodney Harrison and you know, Paula Malu and all that stuff at my size was was fun. Like to crack black on Joy Porter, at the, this little guy, I, I like I absolutely loved <laughs> like being able to hit people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it fit like I fit in Baltimore mentality. Like that was that was me. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, it's, you know, having all that, like I, I absolutely love just being out there. Now, it had to have been tough on you. You had five different 
starting quarterbacks in Baltimore and another three in St. Louis. Did you have the same starting quarterback two years in a row or <laughs> man, Joe Flacco. So, but he like, he was early, but Joe Flacco from Oh, so Oh nine in 2010, we had Flacco. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was out. He missed a little time with sickness. I want to say, but he was the only one. I probably played more games with Flacco than any quarterback that I played with. Um, I was most successful. Uh, my biggest year was with Steve McNair, who, you know, rest in peace, I, I love dearly and absolutely enjoyed playing with. He was a vet's vet, just a dude. And, you know, we, we would make up plays in the game. <laughs> just, hey, you go do this. And, you know, that stuff is – that's that's fun. Like that's that's awesome, you know, to have that freedom uh on the field. And it's almost like you're playing in the backyard again. Um, that was a, a really cool experience to have. Now you gotta be pretty happy that Joe Flacco's still out there flinging the pigskin, right? Oh, I'm so happy for him. Is I can only imagine how how free and how much fun he's having right now. Like there it really ain't no pressure either. It's just <laughs> just 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 sling it. And mm-hmm. man, he is, he's still got the cannon. Yeah. I, 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 it, yeah I'm, I'm very impressed. Did you, what do you think about the fact that you could have been drafted by the Cowboys? How do you think things would have been different if you had played on that, uh, the Cowboys team instead of Baltimore? Uh, we, I mean, I know Dallas was, was going to throw the ball a lot more than Baltimore. So I'm pretty sure the numbers would have looked a lot different um, statistically. Um, you know, I don't know, playing, playing in, at, at home would be neat. I grew up in Arlington and so that would have been, you know, we can kind of see that, that being cool. Um, uh, but, uh, I mean, I, I just, I think like being somewhere where the ball is going to be thrown, that would have been fun. Um, but also being in a winning organization that, you know, is, is really well run. I, that's been awesome. Like, uh, yeah, I can't. I mean, I'll take both. <laughs> there ain't no, there's nothing wrong with neither situation. Like, it's, it's, it's great. So, how can people learn more about Live Headphones and, and what you're doing? Um, reach out to me um, on all the socials. Uh, I mean, I'm mainly uh, um, X, like, as it is now, and um, Instagram, but just look me up, reach out, and, um, you know, we haven't launched yet, so there's not a lot on uh, what's coming. And so uh, in the spring of next year, you'll see a lot more about Live and Live Pro, the second gen. Mark, thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. No doubt, man. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed this. I hope that you enjoyed our interview with Mark Clayton, but we're not done. For the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week, we're going to talk about the long list of quarterbacks that Mark played with during his time in Baltimore and St. Louis. In Baltimore, he had Kyle Bowler, Anthony Wright, Steve McNair, Troy Smith, and Joe Flacco. In St. Louis, he had Sam Bradford, A.J. Feely, and Kellen Clemens. A lot of quarterbacks for one receiver to get through during his seven-year pro career. Let's break down each one of them. Kyle Bowler was Baltimore's second first-round pick in the 2003 NFL Draft. The first was drafting linebacker Terrell Suggs, 10th overall. Bowler started 47 games in his career for the Ravens, St. Louis Rams, and Oakland Raiders. He did sign with the San Diego Chargers in 2012. 
However, he decided to retire instead of playing another season. Anthony Wright came out of the University of South Carolina undrafted, but signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He had stints with the Steelers, Dallas Cowboys, Baltimore Ravens, Cincinnati Bengals, and New York Giants. He won a Super Bowl ring with the Giants as a backup to Eli Manning when they spoiled the perfect season for the New England Patriots. Steve McNair was the third overall pick of the 1995 NFL Draft coming out of Alcorn State. In his rookie season with the Houston Oilers, he was the backup to Chris Chandler, but moved into the full-time starter role his second season with the team. In 1999, the team made it to the Super Bowl, but lost to the St. Louis Rams. In 2006, McNair was traded to the Baltimore Ravens, where he played for two seasons. He retired in 2008. He's been inducted into the Black College Football Hall of Fame and the College Football Hall of Fame. Troy Smith was a fifth-round pick out of Ohio State and played with the Baltimore Ravens, San Francisco 49ers, the Omaha Nighthawks of the United Football League, and the Montreal Alouettes of the Canadian Football League. He started eight games in the NFL, two for Baltimore and six for San Francisco. Joe Flacco is primarily known as the quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. A first-round pick out of the University of Delaware, Flacco led the Ravens to a Super Bowl victory over the San Francisco 49ers in the 2012 season. In 2019, Flacco was traded to the Denver Broncos. He was released a year later, spent a year with the New York Jets, a year with the Philadelphia Eagles, then back to the New York Jets for two seasons. At the time of this recording, Flacco is currently the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. Sam Bradford was the first overall pick in the 2010 NFL Draft, being drafted by the St. Louis Rams. Over his nine-year career, he played for the Rams, Philadelphia Eagles, Minnesota Vikings, and the Arizona Cardinals. He started 83 games in his career, threw for almost 20,000 yards, and had 103 touchdowns. A.J. Feely was a fifth-round pick out of the University of Oregon. As primarily a backup throughout his career, he did start 18 games for the Philadelphia Eagles, Miami Dolphins, and St. Louis Rams. Finally, there's Kellen Clemens. Kellen was a second-round draft pick out of the University of Oregon. Over his 12-year NFL career, he started 21 games and threw for just over 4,000 yards. He started his career with the New York Jets, then went to the St. Louis Rams, then a final stint with the San Diego-slash-Los Angeles Chargers. That's all that we have for this episode. Stay tuned to our social media channels to stay up to date on our episodes. You can find the links at the Football Learning Academy website at www.football-learning-academy.com. Not only will you find links to our social media channels and a listing of all podcast episodes, but you'll find other fascinating interviews and classes. And an important note, a portion of all proceeds generated at the Football Learning Academy go to help retired players in need. That website again is www.football-learning-academy.com. Thank you for listening to the official Football Learning Academy podcast. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. 
This is Mark Mortier, and if you're a sports history fan like me, tune in and hear me talk about some great sports moments of the past. Growing up during the 1970s, I got to watch some of the most iconic moments in sports history. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Willis Reed limping out of the locker room in Game 7 of the NBA Finals at Madison Square Garden as the fans erupted with a thunderous ovation. The 1980 Miracle on Ice as Team USA defeated the powerful Soviet Union in the Olympics. Listen every Tuesday on Yesterday's Sports. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.